might be interesting to come to our church. We would love for them to come tonight and join us. Ladies, tomorrow night, cultivate this one to me. From 6 to 8 and the fellowship talk. There will be Bible study, fellowship, food. We're balanced. You know there's going to be food. And there will also be lots of fun. So if you're new to the community or new in our area or new in our church, we would love for you to come and join us tomorrow night in the fellowship hall. You can sign up at our website at sbcfootball.org slash cultivate. Or you can call the church office at 526 7108 and the girls there will sign you up to come in tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Our pray, give, go emphasis for this month is the Hope Center of Adoption, which I think is fabulous that our church is participating in because you know there are children out there that would love to be adopted by the loving family. And uh, if you would like to find out more information about that, just check our church bulletin for today. It'll be more details. And the next and last announcement that I have today is our OCC, which is Operation Christmas Child Shoeboxes. This is something that I've been involved in in our church for the last 16 years. You will see the boxes that look just like this. They're outside in the tower entrance and in the lobby entrance. And we ask for people to pick these up, and it will cost you a $1 donation. And fill these boxes up and bring them back to our church on November the 17th. That will be our dedication day. These will be going to children around the world through Samaritan's Purse with Frank and Graham. I think a lot of them who Frank and Graham is. And they will take these to like it is the first gift they have ever received. So fill it with lots of love and particularly lots of prayer as you get ready. So your shoeboxes for this season.
morning, church. Good to be together and study God's word, praise, and sing songs to Him. And what a great time to have a worship party this morning. Let me invite you to turn with me in your copy of God's word to 2 Timothy chapter 1. That'll be our text for this morning. You'll have a Bible with you. Feel free to grab one out of the key rack there and turn with us and uh, let's read God's word together. I want to talk to you this morning about. Uh, how we can know God better. We've been talking about knowing God, knowing God well, and, and how we can increase our, our focus on God, how we can know Him more personally, more intimately, walk more faithfully with Him. And today I want to talk with you about the topic of witnessing. It's a spiritual discipline in our life that, that uh, we should have in our life. I want to ask you a question. I want to kind of start this morning the way I ended in the last service. I kind of let out of the last service with this question. I asked the question. When was the last time you shared, intentionally shared your faith in Christ Jesus with someone to lead them to salvation? When was the last time? Just think about it. Every one of us should know the last time we shared the gospel. It should be something that we we hold so dear to our hearts. We, we're so committed to that and, and, and for many reasons, which I want to go over this morning, but we should desire to share the good news of the gospel. We should we should want to talk about Jesus to everybody we come in contact with. We really should. You know, God, God to know God and, and know more about Him would mean the more we know about God, the more we have to tell about Him. Uh, and the more I know about you, the more I know about my family, the more I know about my friends, the more I know about my, my hobbies, my interests, the things that, that just kind of they, they set me on fire, those things that kind of excite me. Those, the more I know about those things, the more I talk about those things. And, and I just want to position to you from the very beginning of this morning. There is nothing greater in this entire world than the creator of this universe. And nothing I have in my life, nothing you have in your life is going to top the relationship that is offered you in Christ Jesus. So we either need to get in touch with that more, we need to become more focused on that, we need our direction to be changed, we, we, maybe we need to begin a relationship with Him. If you're here today and you're like, Pastor, I got it, dude, but I am not, I'm not where you are, I'm not walking with Jesus, I don't have a relationship with Him, I just want to encourage you to say you are here for a reason this morning. God has brought you here and He's appointed this time, He's anointed His Word to touch your heart. And you have an opportunity this morning to know Jesus Christ as your first Lord and Savior. Begin that journey today so that you would have something to really talk about. So we, we, uh, we have a God who is very, very exciting to talk about. I, I can talk the rest of my life about God. I find myself every Sunday morning being pushed for time to get it all in because I have so much I want to talk to you about that I've learned about God and that I've experienced in my own personal life and, and doing life with y'all. So there's always a lot to talk about about God. But in the ministry that I've been involved in in the last many years, I've asked people before, why don't you share Christ? Because I'm just going to be honest, just straight out honest this morning, a lot of people are not sharing the gospel. A lot of people are not having gospel conversations. And I'm like, why? I mean, why wouldn't we talk about Jesus? And then I've had people tell me, you know, I could never tell somebody about Jesus. I'm too shy. Well, I hear you. 
convincing myself saying that the four boys, three or four people are trying to share anything. I, I wouldn't even want to get up and talk about my favorite pastime in front of people. But uh, that, that's no excuse to hold back from talking about the greatest views of all of eternity. So I've had people tell me I, I, would, I wouldn't share my faith. I would share my faith if I knew how. I share my faith with God. If I knew how to share my faith, if I understood how to do that, but I'm scared that I'm going to get in a conversation and it's going to demand of me something I'm not prepared for, so I, I just won't share my faith. I'd just rather, I'd rather not say anything than I had to look like I don't know what I mean. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many classes you would have to go to to get you there, but I can tell you this that when a person goes before another person and shares their faith, God never leaves you without something to say. This is personal experience. And, and if I want to back that up, Scripture tells you that you will never be left without being able to give the, the words that you need to say. The Spirit of God will, will well up in you. The one who indwells in you will well up in you and will give you the words you need to say that are appropriate at that very moment. I've heard people say, my faith is a very personal faith, and I don't like to involve other people in my personal faith. But I just want to tell you this. Jesus is very personal. But he also lived a public life and died a public death and rose to public resurrection. And he will return publicly one day. He is a very public God. And he's called us into a very public faith, not a very private faith. Some people live under a rock and never share the faith that they have because they don't want others to know what's really going on in life. I've had people tell me, I, 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 should, I shouldn't have to say anything, Pastor. I just live a good life. People all just see it in me. And, and I'm like, well, God gave you a mouth to speak. And he tells us to testify. So, I don't know where you are. Maybe you could come up with another reason why you don't share your faith today. Maybe you're sitting here saying, I share my faith all the time. I'm, I'm very faithful at sharing my faith. I, I, don't hide, I don't hold back. I share the faith every chance I get. And I'm excited about that. But I want to tell you from the text of Scripture we're going to go through this morning, that God equips us. He equips us to share our faith. Not only does he equip us to share our faith, he calls us to share our faith. So if you will stand with me and let's read 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 7 together. And let's look and see what God has to say to us through his word. Speaking from Paul to Timothy, God's word says this. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the, for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. Father, as we stand before you this morning, God, we, we look into your word, and God, we recognize that you have a call on our life. You have called us, Father, to testify of what we know about you. So, Lord, as we walk through this text of Scripture this morning, I pray, Father, that we would not allow a spirit of timidity to rise up in us, but we would grasp the spirit that, that comes to us in power and love and discipline, and that we would be faithful.
comes to the world does not know you. So God, encourage us in our hearts and Lord, lead us to be disciplined people who will share our faith without faith. Lord, move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people say. Amen. I just want to talk about a few things here this morning. This is uh, really revealing that Paul was speaking to young Timothy. He's trying to, trying to encourage him in faith. And, and, and he's here to say, Larry, he's here to Timothy. And, and he tells him, God's equipped you with this. God has equipped you for what you are going to do in life. And, and God has. God's equipped not only Timothy, but God's equipped you and he's equipped me. He has, he has set before us all the, all the resources of heaven have been poured out into your life and my life so that we can accomplish exactly what God wants us to accomplish. Uh, we, he says from the very beginning, he says, for God has not given us. He's not just talking to Timothy. He is talking to Timothy. He's talking about all of us. And it speaks to my heart here today. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. We don't have the wrong spirit, folks. We've got the right spirit. And the wrong spirit would be a spirit of timidity. Timidity would cause us to cower down, to become a coward, to hold back, to hide out, to not speak, to, to, to refrain from being engaged with others about the truth of the good news of the gospel. So Paul's telling Timothy, he said, hey, you don't have the spirit of timidity. And I'm just going to say, God's saying in your heart right now, He's saying in my heart right now, I didn't give you the spirit of timidity. I gave you a different spirit than that. You, you may see that in this world. You may see people cower down from situations and opportunities. But I'm telling you, God gave you a spirit of power, of love, and of discipline. So in our life, we're going to, we're going to see where there are times that we don't want to shy away from engaging a conversation or, or entering into a situation. But he's telling us when it comes to the gospel message, when it comes to preaching about Jesus, speaking about Jesus, sharing what God's doing in our life, we don't have a spirit of timidity. We're not going to be timid about that. We're going to be strong and, and understand that we got an opportunity here. And he goes into those three different reasons, if you will, that he tells Timothy. Love, power, and discipline. Those three things replace timidity. The spirit of timidity is set aside at salvation, and now you have something else, power in your life, and it is that power of God, the spirit of power that he gives us. So that, that's the first thing that, that Paul tells Timothy. God, God doesn't only call the equipped, God equips the call. So when he calls you, when he calls us all into service, he, he equips us. So I'm, I'm not sure I'm ready, Pastor. I'm not sure that I'm capable. God will meet you. When you find your place of weakness, when you find your inability, God is able. I will tell you that. So we see that the power comes upon us to do the things that God's called us to. God never sent us out to be the short. God sent us out to be victorious. God brings us together, empowers us with His Spirit to send us out to be victorious in this world. You're a victor. I'm a victor, not because of what I've accomplished in life, or what you've accomplished in life, but because of Christ Jesus, our Lord, living within us through the Spirit of God. We are victors. And we see that displayed if we look back in one of the Old Testament texts where we see a man who was 
rising in leadership, and he's just a man. His name is Joshua. Joshua was leading the Israelite army. And they faced enemy armies that were way larger than them. I mean, way more capable, well-staffed, and, and had and just horses galore and, and swords and, and just all kinds of battle array to, to really whoop up on anybody that came against them. And here's little old Israel and, and, and a leader named Joshua who had risen up under Moses. And, and he's like, you know, I, I'm not sure, but God tells him in the very beginning, the first chapter, he says, be strong and courageous. I'm with you. Be strong and courageous, he says. Don't, don't cower down. I didn't give you a spirit of timidity. I'm giving you the power to go and take over what lies before you. And he tells, he tells young Joshua, he says, man, I'm going to be with you. you. You don't have to worry. As long as I go before you, you're going to win. And we see, if we go back and read the book of Joshua, I love that book. It's, it's such a book of victory, but also it's got some real life lessons in it. Because here, here Joshua, man, he charges out with the army and he faces these enemy armies that are way larger than him. And, and, and he sees miraculous things happen. He sees armies just fall. These people who have rejected God and, and would not accept that there is a God of creation, they were living in the promised land. Joshua moves in and he begins to conquer. And there's this little old community called AI. And, and they're going to go after AI. And Joshua's like, dude, we got this. Just take a few guys over there. We, we've, been, we've been pretty bad. You know, we've, we've been whooping up on some folks. And we can handle this one. Just a couple of us are going to get together. A couple of guys are going to get together. We're going to go over there. And we're going to take AI. And they didn't get God before them. And they came back with their tails up between their legs. It was a massacre. I'm telling you that when we go out alone, we can get short. But when God goes with us, who can stand against us? And, and that's what God said. He said, listen, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't give you the spirit to me. I, I didn't give you the spirit to cower down, to, to back down to the world. I gave you the spirit of power. I empower you. I, I'll fill you. I'll, I'll complete you. I'll help you be able to stand against whatever comes against you. I was talking to a friend of mine. I knew I was going to preach on this and and I was talking to him recently. I said, now, I'm going to preach about the power of God coming on us and empowering us. And you got a lot of experience that you can tell me about? He said, oh, man, yeah. He said, uh, my, my pastor got sick and, or had a situation. He couldn't, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't preach. And, and I got called on to preach. And I'm not a preacher. And he did. He, he, he's, he's a great guy. He's an awesome guy. But he just, has, he just didn't have the preaching call in his life. And, and he, uh, he said, he rose to the occasion. And he studied the lesson, and, and he got before the, the people to preach the sermon. And, uh, he felt, uh, you know, like he was kind of out of fish out of water, out of his comfort zone for sure. He said, as soon as I got in that position and started sharing that lesson that God had given me, he empowered me. He came over me, and I was able to do something that I couldn't do in my own strength. And, and that's the empowerment that I'm talking about. When we face a situation... We can do something that we normally could not do because God empowers us to do it. And that's the same with Joshua. Joshua won those, those conquests at war, not because he was capable, not because he was the, the greatest military leader, but because God went before him. And when God goes before us, ladies and gentlemen, he empowers us to do his work. He gives us the spirit of power, not the spirit of timidity. So he goes on, he says, not only do we have the spirit of power, we see that 
that Paul tells him, he says, and love, you've got the spirit of love. What is God? I mean, you just had to use one word to, to understand, to, to express the character of God. I just personally I just have to use love. I know righteousness, grace, mercy, all those things can come up. But again, use one word, God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes in him will not perish, but they will have everlasting, eternal life. You and I can have eternal life with God. John 14 tells us, I go to prepare a place for you, Jesus speaking. If it were not so, I told you. But in my Father's house there will be dwelling places. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to leave this earth. I'm going to go fix a place for you who believe in me. And where I am, you can come. You can be with me. He says, how do you get there? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God the Father except through me. So Jesus is telling us there is an eternal place that we can go and we can be with. Why would he prepare a place for us? And I just got to think about me because I don't know you as good as I know me. Why would he prepare a place for me? Because I'm perfect, right? Go ahead, please laugh because you know that's not the case. I'm an imperfect individual. I'm a fallen creature. I've not not measured up. I've I've, I've not been successful in all things. I've failed. I've sinned in my life. And that sin separates me from a holy God. So why would a loving God, why would a God go and prepare a place for me when I'm not good enough and I don't measure up? Because it's bad love for me. He is a loving God. He so loved this world that He created. He designed me. He designed you. He intricately, Psalms tells us that He intricately designed you in your mother's womb. Boy, your mom and even knew about it. He designed you. He created, He counted the numbers of your, the days of your life. And he, he appointed them to you. So he, he, he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And he loves you. And, and though you've messed up, he, he loves you. And though you'll, you'll fall and fail many times, he loves you. And that great love, that love that, that looks down upon broken people and says, I love you so much that I will die for you. On the cross of Calvary, the, the perfect Son of God, sinless Son of God, died in my place and your place. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there is no greater display of love than that right there. That God would love me so much. That God would love you so much. Looking upon your sin, he, he knew no sin ever in his life. While you were still living in sin, as humanity died to save you. And, and, and God's, God created us. He created me, created you. And it says that in Genesis chapter 1, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God standing there looking over all that they were designing and how it would come to play and said, hey, let's do this. Let us make mankind in our image. Let's make them like us. So he made us. And being in the image of God, being image bearers of King Jesus, and He is love, we, we would naturally have love in us, right? Now, we, we, we wreck that love, and we mess that love all up when we fall in sin and live in sin. But when God redeems us out of that sin and transforms and changes our life, He restores and renews love within us. Because we experience the love from Him. So as we experience love from God, we begin to understand the value of love. I, I didn't know love until I knew Jesus. 
Can I just be honest with you? Because I thought I knew love when I was in elementary school. Oh, we did too. Remember that first love? I mean, that was so perfect and pure. Then you realize that's like puppy love compared to what love became. And I've seen love grow as I grow older. I mean, every year that I grow older, I, I recognize the value of love. I understand love deeper. But my, my definition of love has changed and transformed when I met Jesus. He showed me a love I'd never seen before. I remember reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John right after I got saved, just reading through the Gospels repetitively there for several months. I just read those books. I just kind of took it all in as much as I could out of the absorb. I wanted to know this Jesus that would die for me. I wanted to know as much as I could about him. And what I grasped out of that as I read over and over and over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was the amazing love he had. And the love he had for people was the love he had for me. And I began to experience that love. It began to be expressed in my life. And love expressed in my life must be expressed to others from my life. So God does not give us a, a, a spirit of timidity, but he gives us a spirit of power. And he gives us a spirit of love. And what does that love do? That spirit of love that God gives us because I have the background and the understanding and the knowledge of what God's done in my life and the love he has for me. I've experienced and embraced his love. I look upon other people in my life, and I love them in a new way. Not because they're perfect. Not because they always treat me right or always do the things I want them to do. I love them because God loved me. And, and how could I hate somebody? Scripture tells me, 1 John 4, tells me, how could I hate someone, someone else, my brother or my sister, and claim to be a child of the king? Because if I've been loved by Jesus, I'm supposed to love like that to others. I can't hate and, and love at the same time. We can juice of the power of love, the spirit of love, lives in me and flows out of me to touch other people. And when I meet people and when you meet people, come on now, hear this with me. When we meet people in the highways and byways of life, our love for them, because they're created in the image of God, the image bearers of God, maybe distorted, maybe broken, but to be redeemed, because we see the value in them, and we love them, because they're created by God, we love what God loves, and He loves them, that love within us begins to pour out, and, and we know the greatest news in the whole wide world, that life apart from Christ is death eternal. But life in Christ is life eternal. So we have the opportunity for eternal life. I would hate to know I had to cure for cancer or Alzheimer's or any other disease and just held it within and never told anybody. I mean, that would be very unloving, wouldn't it? Especially when your loved one dies of something like that and, and if somebody knew the cure and they didn't tell it, how unloving would they be? They must hate people. Same goes with the gospel. I know the source of eternal life. And if you're a Christian, you know the source of eternal life. It's one place, Jesus. And I love people. So why would I ever hold back in sharing the gospel? The greatest news mankind will ever know. I didn't need the spirit to do I didn't make you timid, shy. I want you to cower down and be a coward. I want you to hold back and hide out. I gave you the spirit of power. When you come to the end of yourself and things start working and you start tapping into my resource because you no longer have a source, and you tap into the source, King Jesus, then you begin to 
understand power becomes obedience. And, and that power, it, it, it is used appropriately to be very good. So I use that power for the glory of God. Not only do I have that power, but I also have love because I've experienced the love of God in my own life. And I look upon His creation. He loves, so I want to love them the way He loves them. And I want them to hear the gospel. I am the hands and the feet of Jesus. So now I don't have a spirit of timidity, but I've got a spirit of love. Not only that, uh, and he says to young Timothy, he says, you, you don't just have the spirit of power and love, you've got the spirit of discipline or sound mind. You know, we have to set goals. I, I'm a goal setter. I'm, I'm just assuming that most people, if they ever achieve much in life, they set a goal. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail kind of deal. You know, you go into that semester or that school year as a student and you don't seek an A, guess what? You'll probably never get one. Am I right about that? Logan, you gotta, you got to go for that, don't you? It don't just come to you, does it? No, you gotta, you got to have a goal. I'll, if I have a goal for a D, I can probably square the hit that one. It doesn't much of me. But if I want to make an A, I've got to set a goal. If I want to, if I want to rise in, in leadership in the industry that I'm working in, I've got to have a goal. I've got to go after it. If I want to become an athlete, I've got to have a goal. I've got to go after it. I'm going to tell you, in our life, we must have discipline in our life if we want to achieve anything. If I want to be what God wants me to be, if I want to be the man God's called me to be, if I want to serve as the pastor that God's called me to be, or the, just the parishioner, the person in the, in the pew that God's called me to be, None of those positions were over the other. We're all God's people. If we want to be the person God calls us to be, we have to have a goal. We have to discipline ourselves. I'm going to tell you this. And I, I believe you'll understand. I'm probably not going to witness for King Jesus if it's not a goal for my life. Yeah, I mean, I might happen by happenstance get into a couple of conversations, but intentionally be on the mark of sharing the gospel Probably won't accomplish that unless it's a goal in my life. Unless I'm disciplined to do it. Unless I say, you know what? God is powerful. He's given me a power to be a new person. I have a new mind. I have a new heart. I have a new, a new, a new being. I'm resurrected. I'm, I'm living through Jesus. I'm no longer dead in my sin. I'm now saved and I have eternal life. So I'm a new person. I have a new power. I have a new love. I love people. I'm, a new, I'm just a new person totally. I've got to have some new discipline. I want others to hear the good news. I've got, I've got to make it a point in my life to go share it. And if I don't make it a priority, I'm liable to get self-absorbed and consumed by the world and just do life and miss a lot of opportunities. And I'm trying to speak to the students. There are students all over this room. You're in a season of life to change rapidly. Many of you will be with people you'll never be with again. You'll never have the opportunity you have right now ever again. Social media is not going to connect you enough to be able to have a gospel one-on-one -on -one conversation around cold coffee or some other coffee you would broach or go sit down at the local. Maybe you don't do coffee that's time you go to Dogwood Park or whatever. Just go to the library, you know what I mean? Who loves to do that? But in reality, you're, you're having some interactions and some opportunities that you'll never have again. And if you know Jesus, he's giving you a power, not to, not to be timid, but a power, and he's giving you a love that needs to be shared. But you've got to be disciplined in it. And you know, it's not just a student. 
having health issues. And they may be here today and gone tomorrow. And, and that could happen with any of us at any age. But I just want you to understand, life is fragile. And when you have an interaction, you have an opportunity to seize the moment. And be a good steward of what God's given the life he's given you. He disciplined you to do something about it. And make a difference in my life. So he, he's called us to be disciplined. Set the goal. Say, I'm going to share the gospel because I've got the power of Jesus in me. I've got the love of Jesus in me. And I'm going to be disciplined to take the love and the power that I've got and, and not cower down and stand up for King Jesus. I mean, I serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's no greater call than what I have. And every person in this room can say that. You want to be a pastor to share the gospel. You don't have to be a pastor to love a friend enough to say, hey, I see the direction you're going in life. And then I love you. And I love you enough to say there's a better life. I've lived the bad life. I've lived on the other side for 31 years. I, I bet I could call a couple of you out of the, state, out of the audience on the stage. And I know, it, I know your testimony. Well, you can talk the rest of the time about it. I've been there, and I'm here, and I'd rather be here than there. I've walked in that life, and I will that because I've experienced the power of God, the love of God. I'm going to be disciplined to do something about it. So that's what Timothy is being told by Paul. He said, man, you don't have a spiritual duty. You've got power. You've got love. You've got discipline. And he says, he goes on and says this. He says, so you don't have anything to be ashamed of. I'm not ashamed of the people I love. I'm not ashamed of what I've accomplished in life. I'm not ashamed when I'm disciplined. I'm ashamed when I'm not disciplined. I'm ashamed when I don't love like I should. I'm ashamed when, when, I, when I don't have the power when I'm weak. But Paul tells Timothy, man, you have nothing to be ashamed of. He can tell him, says, verse 8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me. What did Paul do? I mean, from my understanding of reading Scripture, every time Paul got an opportunity, he shared the gospel. Even to the God, you've got an unknown God to see in this area. I'm here in this big city, and if you've got a, an idol to an unknown God, let me tell you about the unknown God. I mean, he used everything he could to have an opportunity to share with people about Jesus. So, so here we see that he said, Don't be ashamed. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Are you ashamed of Jesus? I mean, straight up, face to face, are you ashamed of Jesus? I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. And if you're ashamed, then I won't think it's okay. If you could be in a place in your life, you're ashamed of that. Your friend group, your peer group, your work group, whatever, is, is against Christ, is against the religion, and, and, and maybe you're in a position where it's not cool to be a Christian. And maybe you've cowered down and you've been ashamed of the gospel. But now's the time to check that right now and walk through that. Now, I'm not ashamed of the testimony of my Lord. Think about the testimony of the Lord. I just want you to think through this for a minute. God created you. And everything you see, you don't see. God watched you fall.
don't accept that. I'm still not ashamed of that. I don't love it. So if you don't love the Savior, I'm not ashamed of that. Paul's telling him, man, don't be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed to stand there. You've got the power. You've experienced the love. And you've got the discipline. You've got a sound mind. You're looking at things with Don't be ashamed of being in. Sometimes you suffer for your faith. Sometimes you don't get the job promotion because you stood up and said, I, I serve King Jesus. Sometimes you don't get invited to the party because you serve King Jesus. Sometimes you get alienated and pushed aside because you serve King Jesus. But ladies and gentlemen, I'd rather get pushed aside now and stand in his exalted presence for eternity. decisions you're making. You based it on the now, what you can feel, what you can feel, or are you based it on the then, what you'll experience return? You you must make a decision. So God calls us to witness. There's no doubt. Paul understood his calling. He said there in verse 11, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. He understood that he was a preacher. He was given a message. He was he was a proclaimer of the truth of God. He knew that. I'm a proclaimer of the truth of God. You know, I was preaching before I ever became a minister of the gospel as a vocational ministry. I've been preaching, proclaiming the truth of the gospel before I was ever ordained or called to pastor. There's a difference between preaching and pastor, proclaiming and shepherding. I shepherd the flock. I'm the under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ, the flock of First Baptist School of Tennessee. But every one of us should be preaching. Every day of your life, I said, every day of our life I preach. Sometimes I use words. We're always preaching something about the life we live, about the things we're doing, and about the words we're saying. We're all, how many people have said something you've never said anything? You know what I mean? You've had that boss, you've watched him. You've had a coworker, you've watched them. You've had that friend, you've watched them. They've never said that you saw them. God calls us to witness. Paul understood he was a preacher. Paul also understood he was, he took another step. He said, I'm an apostle. I've been set apart by King Jesus for a specific ministry and ordained by him to do this work. So he understood the high calling that he was an apostle. He also said he was a teacher, so he taught the Gentiles. He knew that it was his ministry to teach the Gentiles the truth of God's law. So Paul knew his calling. I, I recognize my calling. I just wonder, do you recognize yours? Because we are the priesthood of the believers. We're called. And so I don't remember when I was called to go witness. Well, Jesus in his last words on the face of the earth recorded in Matthew chapter 28 verse 18 through 20 said these words, said all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. So in other words, hey listen up. I'm just to tell you something. Nobody can speak a stronger word than I'm just to say will cast this across all the time. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So go make disciples. He didn't say go make peace sinners. He didn't say go say make Christians. He didn't say go make good people. He didn't say go make good friends. He said go make disciples, followers of Jesus, and baptize them. And teach them to observe all that I've commanded you and love them with you even to the end of the age. That's what he told them. And, and then, you know, Jesus has already said, he said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Luke 9, 23. Verse 24 said this, if anyone wishes to save his life, he'll lose it. If anyone loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will find it. I, I'm, I'm willing to lose my life for Jesus, because he said I'll find it again. When I lose my life, when I surrender my life, when I surrender my will, my wants, my way, and I take on God's word, his will, and his way. I'm going to find life. And can I just tell you a 16-year testimony? I found it. I lived apart from it for 31 years. I found it. I know it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in doubt to it. I'm not, I'm not confused about it. I found life in Jesus. I really did. Am I perfect? No, absolutely not. I hate it. I hate to tell you everything's wrong in my life. But I can tell you who is making a difference every moment of my life is Jesus. We think the same song about cornerstone. My gosh, I, I know there's a cornerstone. See, I, I know I can come home to something. There's a foundation. There's a place I can come back to. And I got something. And I hope you use it. I hope you've got a cornerstone in your life where you can come back. Where you can, you've got a place to come to. A place of power. A place of love. A place of discipline. A place that says, hey, I'm worth telling the world about. Don't be ashamed of me. And recognize the call to go do it. See, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, when the Holy Spirit of God comes upon you, you'll be my witness. Does that say you may witness for me? Does that say you could witness for me? Or you should witness for me? It says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Has the Holy Spirit come upon you? Let me ask you, have you been saved? If you've been saved, the Holy Spirit of God has come upon you. He resides in you. Apart from the Spirit of God, there's no salvation. The Spirit of God resides in every Christian. So when the Holy Spirit of God comes upon you, it's not that you may witness, you should witness, or you could witness. It's that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. It's not a maybe I could or maybe I will one day. It's a right now let's get done. We need a discipline in our life to rise up in power. And express the love of Jesus because we got that spirit on us. We don't have a spirit to do. Don't let the world beat you. Now Satan, hell, and all the demons would love for you to sit back and be silent. But Jesus commissioned you. Jesus commanded you. And he called you to herald the truth of the gospel to everybody you meet. And so what if they label you as a Jesus freak? I'd rather be labeled that than a fool. God calls us. God expects us to witness. So, God expects you to witness. He expects me to witness. I'm going to tell you, I think there's some reasons you won't witness. I really believe in this room. If I can just bring it out in a few minutes, I believe there's some reasons you won't witness today. You're unsure of your salvation. I believe that's a key reason you wouldn't witness. When you're having an own internal battle and you're really not sure if you're safe, it's hard for you to go out and try to lead somebody else to something you're unsure about. Let's just be honest, okay? How do we know that we know that we know? Because I know that I know that I know. How do I do that? I've got God in heaven deliver all of his promises. And he made a promise to me. He made a promise to you. He 
So when I, sur- when I come to Jesus and surrender and say, I'm a sinner, I'm the lost, and I want you to be my Lord. Boom. You're saved. Are you going to disappoint yourself in the future? Yeah. Are you going to disappoint others in the future? My kids have disappointed me. I've disappointed them. We're still family. Amen? I'm still the father. And that's an imperfect love. He's got a perfect love. He's still my father. So if you're unsure about your salvation, you're probably not going to talk to anybody else about it. I think another thing is if you're ashamed of the gospel and you're more concerned about what other people are thinking about you, you're not going to share the gospel. And so I wouldn't say it's so harsh to the pastor. I would say I'm ashamed of it. He says that you won't profess me before people and I won't profess you before my Father in heaven. Scripture says, Jesus said, hey, get up and tell people about me. Not be ashamed of me. So, I also believe we won't do this if we're ashamed of our life and our decisions. If you've made some bad decisions in your life recently or in the past and, and you're like, well, my friends know that about me. My co-workers know that about me. If you won't, if you don't deal with that, you won't talk about Jesus. Because if you're living a lifestyle that's against the will of God, you know it's an outright disgrace to God to live the lifestyle you're living. And you try to witness to somebody, all of those bring conviction on your life. So let me just encourage you. Get that, get that straight right now. If there's something in your life that's wrong, lay it before Jesus and walk away from it. Amen? We've got a cornerstone. We can come back to it. Lay it down and walk away from sin. And if, if your friend saw you do something that was wrong, do what I've done. I did this. I did it. It was wrong. That was not a Christian thing to do. God's convicted me. I've dealt with Jesus. He's forgiven me. Satan's trying to condemn me, but I'm moving on from that. I put him to you see what I'm saying, church? So you can live today in power and love and discipline, or you can be a coward. I choose to live in power and love and discipline. I will not be a coward. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of my Savior, the testimony of my Savior. Even with prison, I'm not ashamed of the <coughs> I know my call is to proclaim him, and I know your call is to be done. But if you don't know him this morning, I want you to know today you can know him. You can get saved right now. You can give Jesus your life. He will save you, and he'll give you something to talk about. Amen? Stand with me. We're going we're gonna to pray and have a time of invitation. This will be your time. Pastors will come forward. We'll be here for you. Music's going to be playing. It's not about getting caught up in a song. It's about making a decision for Jesus. Everybody's going to make a decision today. You're going to decide this morning if you want to live in power, love, and discipline, or if you want to just walk away. You're going to make a decision. You're going to make a decision today how you deal with Jesus and his call in your life. I want to rejoice with you. If you're lost and you want to know Jesus is your Lord today, I want to rejoice with you. Please come tell us. We want to rejoice. If, if, you're, if there's something in your life you need to lay on the altar, you need to get right, I want you to do that this morning. You need to make a commitment to Jesus to be more bold and more out there and share your faith in the opportunity that he's granted you daily. I want you to talk to him about that right now.
Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity. Move in our hearts as we come to this time of invitation. Let us respond the way you have us. Right now, Jesus. Amen. You move as God leads. We're here for you.
witness for Christ. I've not been a witness. I've not been as bold in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ as you have to do for that Lord I ask your forgiveness. I pray that you would be with me and each one that we would take this message seriously. As we go out today, we go out tomorrow, Lord, that we be a better witness tomorrow than we were yesterday. Lord, we're about to take up this offering. As we take up this offering, Lord, we use it to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But help us to understand that it's more than about giving money sometimes, but we need to step out share our testimony and more importantly share the good news of Jesus Christ as we each have an opportunity. Help us to be mindful of those opportunities. Lord, we praise you for the gift of your Son and trust that you've been honored in this time of worship today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ways to give. Um, 
obviously are to, to give up your time. Um, we're, we're looking for volunteers to help us here in the office, um, volunteers to pray as well. Uh, we're also looking for financial partners. There are ways to get monthly um, through our website at hopescenteradoption.com. Um, there are ways to also give tangible items, such as baby items, clothing, food, diapers, those sorts of things, so that we can meet the immediate needs of our family section of the agency. Ways to go is just to take the message of adoption um, to where you live, to, to where you work, um, into those places where you know that you just do everyday life. Um, it's been really amazing to see how once you bring adoption up, you form like a distant connection with someone that you may not even know that was adopted. So we just really believe that, you know, taking that message to where you do your everyday life can really open the door um, for someone to, you know, be, become a partner here with those